And hello to everybody out there who's watching online, wherever you're watching from. So glad you're joining us, uh, wherever you may be. And for all of us in here and everybody out there, again, I, I just don't want to go past that quickly. I, just, I know God wants to meet us, and, and I'm praying that he already has and that we're open to that. And that continues with the rest of our service today. Uh, God willing, thank you for giving us this day, God. Uh, all right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open them up to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11. So today, as you're getting there, as you're going to Genesis 11, we're going to talk about a story called the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. And this is a story about how languages came to be and why God did that. Interesting story. Just curious right now before we get to it. Is anybody in here, raise your hand, can anybody in here speak more than one language fluently? Who, who are my people in here? Raise your hand high so we can see you. More than one language fluently. Okay, a couple of you. All right. How about more than two? Anybody got more than two? No? Just more than one? That's great, though. Now, I can tell you, as the former Spanish club president of my high school, <laughs> that I can confidently ask where the bathroom is in two languages, everybody, and that's about it. That's about all I can do. But that's what I got. I really do envy, I do envy people who can speak more than one language. I, I wish I would have taken that more seriously when I was younger. I feel like it's too late for me, even though it's not. Uh, but it may not come in handy sometimes, right? A few years ago, uh, a while back, I went with a medical, professional medical team out of River Ridge Church, and we went to Haiti. Uh, to serve the people of Haiti there. And uh, most people there don't speak English. They speak uh, Haitian Creole. And it was, it was actually amazing to, to see this, to watch how medicine uh, really does transcend barriers. It, it transcends so many barriers there, including the language barrier uh, that existed between us and them. And, uh, but one of the things that we did on that trip was we brought bifocals. We brought bi big box of bi bifocals to give to folks who needed them to read. And you think about it, man, not being able to read for a long time, that, that's something to be able to do that again. And so I figured, well, this is one of the things that I could do, right? I, don't, I didn't have any medical background or, or anything, but I could, I could help somebody pick a pair of bifocals out of a box. I could do that. And so, uh, I, and there was somebody who had done that previously. And so I just watched her do it for a little bit. I watched her do it and it was pretty cool. And she had this card and, you know, and then there was like these pictures on it. And really all you had to do was say, point to the hand. That's what it is, the hand. And, and if they couldn't do it, uh, then you give them a pair of bifocals and you say, point to the hand. They would do it. And I'm telling you uh, to watch, it was amazing what they, they were hugging her and they were so happy. They were way happier than the people in the uh, teeth pulling line, okay? Like, believe it or not. And so I was like, okay, I could do this. I could do this. And so, you know, she got the box, got the card. She starts sending people my way. And about 45 seconds in, I was screaming at this lady, point to the hand. No, the hand, and I, I mean, I was, I was unbelievable, and, and I mean, I was so frustrated, and this lady was crying, and <laughs> turns out, this is true, turns out she thought I was an eye doctor, and she was getting prescription glasses, and I was, I, so I was like, oh, this is a mess, and, and I, she was left, and I was like, Jesus loves you, I don't know, and, and, she, and it was just awful, and I remember thinking in that moment, Man, if we all spoke one language, it'd be a whole lot easier. It'd be a whole lot easier. Like, what is the deal with all these languages? Why are they there? And, and what's, you know, what's that? Now, we're going to see 
Why? We're going to see this uh, in God's story. And for me, I love this story. It's a personal story for me in, this, in the Tower of Babel. This is actually one of the first stories that I encountered in the Old Testament after I became a Christian in 1995. And I remember it to this day, how fascinating it was to me, how it explained some things to me. I'm like, wow, that, that really does explain it to me. And it, and it stuck out, and it actually intrigued me to read more of the Old Testament so early on to see how other things that are realities here explained explained by what God does. This is an, I love this story. So here's where we're at, uh, just to get caught up really quick on God's story. Last week, uh, we saw that sin uh, basically got us to a point of no return, right? And God decided, I'm going to start again. And so he decided to flood the earth, and he saved one family, the family of Noah. Uh, and then the floods went down, and he charged Noah and his families to, to multiply the earth again. Okay, and so that's what they did. Uh, they started multiplying again. Things seemed great. And this is where we're going to pick up in the story uh, in chapter 11, verse 1. So let's read. Here's what it says. It says, Now, the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, Hey, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, hey, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. All right, so let's stop here. Uh, one thing I want to talk about before we get into some things is, you know, and I know a lot of us are reading the Bible from beginning to end. A lot of us might be doing that for the first time or for the umpteenth time to say, I'm going to do it this time. But uh, one of the things that you'll encounter in this, uh, if you read straight through the Bible, is it seems like there's a contradiction with what we just read in chapter 11 and what you read in chapter 10. Because if you read chapter 10, right before chapter 11, here's what you'll see in verse 20 in chapter 10. Re listen to this. It says, These are the sons of Ham by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. So you see multiple languages. Then you go to the next chapter, chapter 11, where it says the whole world had one language and one common speech. So what gives? What gives right there? Uh, is this a typo? Or is there something that we're missing? Does this discredit the Bible? And I will say, no, it is not. It's not anything like that. Uh, what this is doing, just so we know, is, and it's the same thing that happens in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 in the creation account. See, God's story sometimes, not, not, it's just here and there. Uh, God is actually, what he's doing is he's giving us an account of events in order of importance sometimes and not necessarily in chronological order. That's what he's saying. So, so come with me really quick with this. So here's what's happening. In chapter 10, Moses is writing, he's describing in chapter 10 the lineage of people that ultimately goes to Jesus uh, because that was the most important. And, and then uh, he describes the origin of the diversity after that. And so what he's kind of saying is, he's, he's saying, hey, here, here are all the people and Jesus's lineage is right there. And oh, hey, do you want to know how all that came to be? Okay, well, I'll tell you now. That's, so if that makes sense, I just thought I'd mention that for folks who come across that and you're reading or a little challenged by that. It, it makes sense if you think about it. So well, let's look at a few things in here. Before we move on, first big thing that we need to notice is this, that by staying together, they were going against God. They were disobeying God by staying together. So how do we get that? How do we get that? Because it seems like all they were doing was sticking together, staying safe and doing, you know, just helping each other and all that stuff. Doesn't seem so, how bad can that be, right? It doesn't seem 
so bad. But if you go back to chapter 9, here's what you'll see after the flood. You see God, and he's in an agreement or a covenant with Noah. And here's what we got to see. Here's what he says uh, in chapter 9, verse 1. He says, all right, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Fill the earth. And so part of his command after the flood to Noah and his family was like, have babies, right? Multiply. And then the other part was to disperse, to, to go out. There's a huge world to fill, and I want you to go out there and enjoy it and spread out. Uh, but what we see here in chapter 11 is they didn't do that. Uh, they didn't disperse. They didn't scatter. They were all in one place with one language. And so they didn't stick to the covenant that God had for them. But still, though, I think this is really important because is it really that bad? I mean, what is it to settle together and, and kind of do life together? This is really interesting because honestly, if you come here at, at any amount of time, you hear us say, we got to be together and it's got to be in circles, right? A community is a charge from God that we say you can't do life alone, right? You, circles are better than roads. You can't get closer to Jesus without people. And all that's true. All that is absolutely true. But uh, here's, what, here's what's happening and why this is different with what we're reading here in Genesis. Here's the issue. If you're taking notes, this is the big issue that we're gonna be dealing with today. Here, here it is. Uh, the tower is symbolic of something. It's, it's, it's symbolic of man's desire to, to live apart from God, even though we were created for God. That that's the difference. That, that it's our, it shows our desire to live apart from God, even though we were created for God. So this was about, we're gonna read this. This was about them building something by themselves and for themselves, that that's what they wanted. And, and what we already read is they, we see it, they wanted two things from this. It's really clear if you go back and read it. One is that they wanted human praise. They said, hey, let's make a name for ourselves, not for God, we're gonna make a name for ourselves. We're gonna be famous by this tower. And so that was one, they wanted to be, be famous by it. And then the other thing they wanted was security that they said, hey, we build these things and they, we could stay safe and we'll stay together and you don't take the risk of going out there in all the unknowns. And, and here's what I wanna tell you. Still today, this is not God's will for you. Those two things are not God's will for us. His will is that we find our joy in praising God, not ourselves and not man. That's never changed. And his will for us as well is that we don't find security in cities and walls and money in the things that we do, but in him who keeps us. So those stay the same today. And so here's what's going on here. This is what's going on here. Just, I just wanna say, God is saying this right here. Hey, do life with me. And what they were saying was, hey, we don't need God. We got we. We got we. And God, uh, until we need you, then we'll need you. And until then, hey, watch what we could do. Check out how great we are. And it goes right to one of the biggest struggles that we have in our faith still today when it comes to our faith. If you're taking notes, it's, the tower is a picture of two big things. And the first picture that the tower gives us is it is a picture of how man elevates self. Of how man elevates self. And that's easy to do. The more I thought about that, the more I'm like, man, it's, it is easier to do, and we're probably doing it more than we even think. That, that, that it's a picture of us just elevating ourselves. Uh, and, and I also think that this is also, by the way, one of the biggest, biggest tricks of the devil is to get you so self-focused. 
He just wants to get you self-focused. If you can get really, really self-focused, then what eventually happens, if it goes unchecked, to be self-focused, eventually what happens is you'll start to think, man, you know what? I, th- I think I'd be a better God for myself. I think I'd be a better God because I would never say no to that thing that I feel so strongly about. Like, how dare God call that a sin with how I feel? And then eventually you'd be like, you know what, not, not just my, I think I'd be a better God for everybody else. Like, the, I, I think I would love better. I think I would judge, but I would make laws and they would love me for it, right? Like that, that's where people eventually get, that people would be so thankful for me to be their God. And we just become so self-seeking, so self-indulging, so self-building. And, and all of a sudden, here's, here's what I wanna say really quick if we catch this. All of a sudden, you see, when you have a bunch of people doing that, Right? When you have a bunch of people being their own God, then it gets really messy because here's why it gets messy. Gang, we're all over the map on what you think is right and wrong, what I think is right and wrong, what they think is right and wrong. We're all over the map of what is okay and what is not okay to do, and it turns into chaos. It turns into chaos. And you don't need me to tell you that. You don't need me to preach that to you because you just look out there. Things seem so chaotic, don't they? They don't, they don't seem chaotic. They are chaotic, everybody. They are. Uh, I was watching uh, the news the other day, which I rarely do, actually, in the evening. I was watching the news, and, and so uh, I was watching it, and actually one of my kids came through and just to watch it for a few seconds, and I'm not kidding. They said, gosh, Dad, what's wrong with people? And I went, sin, that's what's wrong. That's what you're watching right there. That's, that's what I said. I said, that's what's going on. And, and, and it turns everything into this if we let it run our lives. That's what I told him. It's crazy what's going on. It's crazy what's going on. Watch the news for five minutes, and most of the things you see don't make sense to sensible people. I'm not even talking about Christians. Just people with sense will look at that and say, that doesn't make sense. Am I I saying the right thing, everybody? It's true, it's true, it's crazy what's going on. This is huge, gang, because here's what we gotta catch. This story, this is why I wanted to put this in with our year in the Bible. This story is so important for us to see. This story right here is where it's all gonna come back to as far as our battle sin's pull and the victory that Jesus eventually brings. So I'm gonna show you this really quick, just a a quick sort of brief thing. So this is called the Tower of Babel, right? And if you look up the word Babel, here's what Babel means. Babel literally means confusion. That's what Babel means. It means confusion. And we're gonna see as God's story progresses through the year, how this stays with us. This, This idea of Babel and confusion because here's what happens from Babel I don't know if you knew this comes an empire called Babylon Babylon comes from Babel and and we're going to come here's the thing you're going to come across Babylon a lot as you read the Bible it's everywhere in there Uh, the first prom and and here's what Babylon's sort of uh, MO is Babylon's uh, MO is basically becoming the epicenter of going against God That's what this empire eventually does. You see it most prominently in the book of Daniel. Um, We'll be there in the summer, I believe. We're gonna be talking about that a lot where basically Babylon comes in and overtakes Israel and tries to squash any remnant of God. That's what they try to do. And you see Daniel living for God, uh, even though uh, nobody else was. Uh, So you see it there. But even before the book of Daniel, you see it before that with the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah talks about Babylon before it even becomes an empire. I just find this really interesting as we go through this. And so I wanted to show you what Isaiah says about this empire Babylon before it even became uh, an empire. This is in Isaiah 47. And it's really neat because the header of this uh, is, is the fall of Babylon. 
And so here's what he says. And just as we read this, think about what we read here in Genesis 11. See if it ties in. Here's what he says in verse 8 and 10 in, in uh, Isaiah 47. He goes, listen to this, you pleasure-loving kingdom, living at ease and feeling secure. You say, I am the only one, and there is no other. You felt secure in your wickedness. No one sees me, you said, but your wisdom and knowledge have led you astray. And you said, I am the only one, and there is no other other than me, right? I, I put that emphasis on it, but I would say, that's what we do, right? And so then, uh, that's, that's another place, but then here's the other thing about this whole idea. It goes all the way to the end of the Bible. Did you know that? That in the book of Revelation, as you read that, which is uh, the coming, the end of times when Jesus returns, uh, Revelation spends two entire chapters talking about Babylon, chapter 17 and chapter 18, where you see God judging Babylon. It's, it's all over the place, and it's really important for us to see, because here's what you see. What you see is that the Tower of Babel that we're looking at today and Babylon that comes, it isn't much, as much a place on a map as it is a mentality we can have. You see what I'm saying? And it is a place on the map, by the way, if you, if you want to know. Uh, there are remnants of Babylon and archaeological uh, evidences of Babylon and Babel uh, in Iraq. Uh, that's where it was and that's where it is. But, but I'm telling you, the Tower of Babel uh, is less about being a place uh, and more of a mindset we can have if we're not careful. That's why this is so important for us. And gang, it's a mindset, I just want you to see this, that starts from the beginning of the Bible, goes all the way to the end, and smack dab in the middle of it. And we gotta pay attention to what this is saying because it doesn't stop. This mentality is still here today. This is the motto of the tower. This is the motto of the tower. I don't have it in your notes, but just write it down. Motto of tower is this, it's about me. It's about me. And God, when I need you, that's when I need you. So I'll go my way until I'm stuck. And gang, that's how a lot of people live. That's how, that's how a lot of people who profess to be Christians actually live their lives. They say, I'm gonna go my own, own way. And, and then when I need you, God, okay, then we'll talk. And then, and then I'll pray, uh, then I'll read, I'll come to church, I'll give money. Then you'll help me, God, right? Kind of like he's a genie in a bottle. That's how a lot of people live their lives. And gang, here's what I'm gonna tell you. You could do that. Like you could do that. You are free to live that way. You are free to live and go the path of me. But here's what I'm gonna tell you and what God's trying to tell you. It will produce nothing but confusion in your life. It'll produce confusion in your life and the chaos that comes that, that will come with you ignoring God. That's what will happen. Live in the me mentality. And so many people do that. So many people who say they're Christians live that way. So that's a picture of how we elevate self. But here's the other thing. See, there's another picture that happens too. It doesn't just elevate self. There's another thing that happens as a cause and effect. So not only do I elevate self, but it, as, a, as a result, see, the tower is also a picture of how man lowers God. It's a picture of how man lowers God. And, and this is why this is, why this is um, a bigger thing that causes more destruction than we think. It, it really does, because by elevating me, right, by elevating me, uh, I'm making God less than he is. Every time I elevate myself or take accolades or do whatever I'm gonna say for me, I, I make God and his abilities in my life lower and less than, and I don't bring in the things that God wants to have for my life. I think a lot of us here, I don't think that's what we wanna do, but I would venture to guess that a lot of us experience that in our lives. And it causes confusion. We're like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this helping? Like, and all that stuff, because there are subtle ways that we could go our own way. 
right? There are subtle ways that we can leave God behind, and there are subtle ways that we build these little towers of me, and we don't even know it. Have you ever gone, just for instances, and I'm, I'm putting myself in this too, have you ever gotten to the end of an entire day and thought, man, I didn't really think about God that much. I didn't really talk to him uh, that much. Or I mean, how about this? How easy is it? It's easy to pat your, ourselves on the back when you get like some praise or whatever. And you're like, yeah, yeah. Oh man, thank you so much for that. Instead of saying, no, it's God who did that. God gave me these talents. God gave me these resources. God gave me uh, this brain. And it's just really easy to get there if we're not careful, gang. Uh, and so this has given us a picture of, of, of what can easily happen, how we can elevate me and then lower, by cause and effect, lower God. All right, so let's keep reading. Verse five, it says, so again, they said, we're gonna build it unless we get dispersed. And here's what it says in verse five. It says, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Now, I love this verse. I love this verse because I find it funny. I find it funny with, with what it says that God did, that he, that he came down to see what they were doing. Because you think about it, they're like, we're gonna, you, we're gonna build this huge tower. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna get all the way to heaven. It's gonna be so biggest thing you've ever seen. And it said God had to come down to see it. Like he was like, hey, where's that little bitty tower? Oh, there it is. Bless your little hearts. Like bless your hearts building that big old thing. You go, you go, right? Like I just find that funny. And I love, I love the idea of having a God who comes down who doesn't just stay up there, but he comes down from time to time, that, that we have a God who chooses to do that. He didn't have to, but he chose to, throughout history, to come down and, and check stuff out for himself, and I love that. We can see it repeated all over the Bible, all the way to Jesus himself coming down to us. I love the idea that, that we have a God who does that, that wants to be with us. Okay, verse six, next, I just found that funny. All right, next verse. I had no other, I had no point in there. All right, the Lord, although I thought it was good, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. We'll come back to that in a minute. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it's called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. And, and just, just another note as we go through this, just to, I just wanna hit this really quick highlight. The Trinity's right there, just once again, right? It says, let us, and he's telling us, that's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so once again, we know they were always there, always there ever since creation. But here's something, here's something to think about. So that happened, right? He scattered, you know, he did it. And I figured it was just like, you know, maybe they went to bed. Could you imagine waking up the next day and just how crazy it would be waking up and just trying to find somebody you know, and you're like, oh my gosh, Ahab, what is going on, man? You're like, puedo ir al baño. And you're like, what'd you say about my mom? What, what are you saying, right? Like, I just couldn't imagine the chaos happening in that moment uh, where you're trying to figure everything out. I just thought that was interesting to think about. So what do we get out of this story? That, that's, that's the story. What do we get out of this story? First is this, first is this. Don't miss this. When God does something, he does it for a reason. Every single time when he does something, he does it for a reason. There is a tremendous truth that is attached to this. That means that every single thing is a part of his plan. 
It's not haphazard. He's not knee-jerking at any of this. Everything has a plan, and he knew what he was going to do from the very beginning. And the languages of the world is not God's afterthought. It was part of his plan. So that's one thing that we got to get from this story. And there are two things that, that come out of, of the distribution and the dispersion of people in the languages that were created. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing that this did was that it protected man that the distribution of languages protected man. So God did this to protect us from us, whether you believe that or not, he did. Because here's the question, as I read through this and think about it, here's the question. Uh, when left to our own doing, right, and never having any diversity, never having any differences whatsoever, would that be good or bad? I think some folks would say, I don't know, man, I'm not sure, because I think uh, that there might be some people who would say or tend to believe that, hey, man, without, if there weren't all these different languages and all this stuff, these barriers, I think that would be more of a barrier to the gospel to have all this stuff than if it wasn't. But here's what I'll counter with. Here's what I'll counter with. It happened. God did it. And here's what you need to know about your heavenly father. You see, God is always with everything he ever does more interested in unity than he is in division. Every single time, everything he ever does is like, this is about unity and not division. So he, here's what he knew, just to catch it. He knew that having one language, one race, one culture is not a good thing. That's what he said. He's like, this is not, he even said nothing will be impossible for them. Did you read that? that he didn't mean that as a good thing. He meant that as a destructive thing that we would do to each other. He protected us uh, with language and, he, and, and what it did was it steered us back to him. It steered us back to him. Think about how many people had to help each other at that point. Like, what do we do? And, and I would eventually be like, God, I need you, right? I just think it steered us back to him. And it's interesting to me that there's nothing in there that says that he destroyed the tower. And so it leads me to believe that he left it there. And here's why I think that he left it there. Because here's a question. Is this story God's judgment on people or God's mercy? And I'm gonna say it's both. I think it's both. Because what he's trying to get them to do is he's trying to get them to taste uh, what sin will do, what the path of going after me and the disappointment that will come before they fully get down that path. And, and, and think about, here's why I think it's still there. Think about seeing that thing after that, that it's a reminder. It's almost like a monument to what God did and say, man, steer us back to him, steer us back to God. So I think that's why he probably left it there. Uh, so it protected man. Here's the second thing that it did is that it also set up Jesus. Set up Jesus. All right, so here's what I want you to do after you make that note. It's set up Jesus, all right? All right, turn to your neighbor and take a shot without using your phone. How many languages you think exist in the world? Go. How many languages do you think exist? And whoever gets closest wins with your neighbor. How many languages are in the world? All right. You ready? You ready? Ready? You can't be sitting there doing math. All right, ready? Jeez. Well, now, Thursday, no, 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 no. Okay, no. You ready for this? There are... 7,106 languages and differences in our world. That's crazy, right? Number one is what? Mandarin Chinese, looks like over a billion people. Um, English is number three. Spanish is number two. And, and so here's what's amazing. This is what blows my mind just thinking about this. So right now, okay, 
somewhere in a village, right? With people that I probably can't connect with very well, speaking a language that I don't know and a culture that I would struggle in, there are a handful of Christians proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and where they will respond to make him savior of their lives. That amazes me. It amazes me. What a way to set up the savior of the world. I want you to catch something that Jesus said. This is in Matthew 28 with the charge that he gave us. And just catch, catch his words. He says, and Jesus came and said to them, here's what he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Not one, not one group of people, not one language, but all of them. Every group will be claimed by God through Jesus Christ. Amen, everybody? It's amazing. I love that. So here's what I want to say. What's more amazing? What's more amazing? That one group of people with the same language, same heritage, same culture praises Jesus as their Savior, or a diverse, multicultural, multilingual, multiracial world coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior in every language that ever existed. I got my answer to that. And I think that's why God did it, because they will know Jesus is a savior who transcends all, even languages, who came to be with all. That's the most beautiful thing I can think of. I love that idea. It gives me goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps to think about the fact that right now, just think about this, right now in this moment, people are saying Jesus in thousands of languages. It blows my mind. I love it. It's just so cool. So here's the last thing. Here's the last thing, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. This life, right here on this earth that you have, right? This is it. You are either building up a relationship with God or you're building up a tower of me. Those are your choices. You either build up a relationship with God or you build up tower of me. And the Tower of Babel is giving us a reminder and giving us a warning that our default, our default, we will just wanna glorify ourselves. We will, we just wanna glorify ourselves. But here's the problem. We have sin in our lives. We have sin that we're dealing with. And so what he's saying is glorifying sinful things will eventually turn out not good. Not good. Good things don't happen and life will eventually turn into chaos. And it's what we're seeing, gang. It's what we're seeing outside of living for God. But when you get connected to your creator who made you and wanted to be in communion with you, the source of life itself, see, then all of a sudden you're not trying to leave your creator behind and then some beautiful things happen. Some of his abilities come up in your life and you see him working in your life and it becomes something more, something beautiful. And then even the languages become something amazing to see uh, for the glory of God. Amen, everybody? I think that's an awesome thing. Love that. And so here's what we're gonna do this morning. Uh, we're gonna end uh, by taking communion. We're gonna end by taking communion. So uh, if you wanna get all that stuff out, get it out, hopefully you came in. And uh, if you need one, go ahead and raise your hand. We got folks there that can give you one. Uh, and over at home, if you, I want you to do it with us as well. You could do that really quick, run to your kitchen, uh, get a cracker or juice or wine or something and, and come back. I'd love for you to take communion with us as well. There's a hand up here in the front. So make sure you grab all that stuff and, and we're gonna take communion. But I wanna end with communion because for believers, uh, communion is a time where we come to God, right? We, we get to access God and we remember that we can draw near to him because of what Jesus did for us, that, that his death made a way for us to God, that we could come to him because of what he did for us on the cross. And so we come to God and we, and we spend some time on who he is, that he made us and 
that he's so good, right? That he's so good. And, and then we look at ourselves and we recognize that without Jesus, we have no way to God because of our sin, that God made a way. He made a way for us, even though uh, we can't get there, but through the sacrifice of Jesus, that he's our hope. And then here's what else we get to do, everybody, that we get to confess some things to him. And by his mercy and grace, he will forgive us, that, that we get to come to him and confess our lives. And, and gang, I wanna challenge you right now this morning to maybe think of some towers that you're building. What are some towers of me that we've been building lately? And we just give that over to God and, and let him take that over and say, I wanna build a relationship with you instead, God. So, so forgive me of that and let his mercy and his forgiveness come in. And so as we do this this morning, you don't have to be a member at River Ridge to take communion, but you do have to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ. You have to have, have a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, and so if you're here and you haven't made that decision yet, uh, I'd love to talk to you. One of the pastors would love to do that. Uh, we'll be around after service. Come talk to us, schedule a time. We'd love to sit and chat with, about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. And so over the next few minutes, here's what we're gonna do. Uh, I want you to pray, talk to God. And just as the Holy Spirit leads you, I want you to take the bread and eat it and do it in remembrance of Jesus as his body broken for you. And then, and then you, you take the drink and you drink it, remembering that that's the new covenant that comes as a result of Jesus' death and the forgiveness that comes for your sin. And we do this together, we do this together to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. So let me pray for us. God, you are bigger and better than anything we do ourselves. And I pray that we could see that. I pray that we see that you have a better life for us when we just say yes to you, when we rely on you and we seek you first. And as we come to communion today, I pray that we could see some things we're building that we shouldn't. And God, we confess those to you. Usher us back into your mercy. Usher us back into your forgiveness. And Jesus, thank you for solving our sin problem. Because without you, we can't do any of this. And it's in your amazing holy name we pray. Amen.
give the Lord a shout of praise. Yeah. It's been an awesome place to be today. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you back here next Sunday. Have an awesome week.